This is Winston Gambro, creator of Rex Radley, Boyd Venture, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. the cult of the Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I am Johnny Horsley, and today on the show, we are talking to Winston Gambro, who was on the show back in January of 2019 to promote the first book that we talked about today, Rex Radley, Boy Adventurer, and now book two is up on Kickstarter, and I sat down with him today, I chatted with him about the book, we talked about Superman, we talked about, we talked about a, a couple other things too, so we go on a few tangents there, but we had a lot of fun. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's just get right into it so you can hear about Rex Radley from the creator Winston Gambro in his own words. All right, guys, welcome back. Today I am joined with somebody I talked to over a year ago, back in January 2019, about his Kickstarter Rex Radley back then. But when today we got Winston Gambro coming back on. Talk about Rex Radley, Boy Adventurer, number two, which is on Kickstarter right now, which if you want to, go ahead and pause here and go check it out because it's got, as of recording this, 12 days left. As of release of this, probably 10 days left or so. I don't know when it's going to come out pretty soon. But go back that out. Check the links and do that. But Winston, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Of course, man. Thanks for reaching out and coming back on. I, I love repeat guests. It's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I'd love to support the spoiler country. <laughs> so for those out there who didn't hear us talk, you know, a year and a half, almost two years ago, or a year, how long time is is not important right now. But why don't you go ahead and give <laughs> us what Rex Radley is about? Yeah. Rex Radley Boy Adventure is an anthology comic inspired by every comic and TV show made to sell toys. Jack, please stop. So it features everything I would want as a kid. Dinosaur men, scheming orangutans, giant robots, huge monsters and explosions. Just everything I'd want to read as a kid or right now. I mean, I want all those things now and I'm 38 years old, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm g- glad to know you never age out of it. I didn't know if it was just me. No, no. I think I think we live in a generation where people... They don't age, they, they a lot of people don't age out of their childhood things they love. They just grow up with it and they they tend to evolve and you know, become adults and do adulting things and stuff like that, but they still hold on to their to their stuff from their childhood because I think in the last 20 30 years it's become socially acceptable to still like your stuff from your childhood whereas before it, it you know it was really shunned upon if you read that kid stuff. Yeah, most definitely. I probably like with the rise of the internet, like all those little groups were able to interact and be like, "Oh, it's okay to talk about DuckTales." Right. When I think people got to people found out that there's more people out there like them than they realize, and the real outliers are the ones who don't want to embrace stuff that makes them happy. 
Yeah, that that's really the important thing, right? Like, if it makes you happy and it doesn't hurt anyone, then enjoy it. Like, exactly. don't, and no need to shame others. Exactly. Like what you like, let people like what they want to like and move on. <laughs> so yeah, we're if, doing issue two only here. Everyone is that way. Right. You're doing issue two here. How, how was the success and the reaction for issue one? I, uh, it was pretty, pretty good. I, I did set a low goal, but I managed to hit the Kickstarter for, for it in the first couple of hours, nice. which I did not expect. And I think people liked it. The the few reviewers that got it all had nice things to say. They seemed to like the art. They liked the anthology storytelling, seemed to laugh at the jokes. So I and I know most importantly, I enjoyed doing it. Like this is exactly the kind of comic I would want to read. It's full of the pulpy adventure goodness that I love, that whole genre. And then I just get to fill it with jokes and <laughs> And That's if good. anyone else is laughing, then I count that as a success. That's a win. If someone else is laughing, that's a huge win. So you, talk, you like, you like, you said, you say you like, you like old pulpy comics, pulp comics. Oh yeah. What kind of, what's your favorite one? Well, I guess it's not a comic, but just Johnny quest as a, ah. in general is huge. Johnny quest then, is good. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Just, just like looking at the illustrations done for it, like Alex Toth did some of the character designs and it's just crazy how much worlds can be shown from a simple character sketch of the frog men or, <laughs> you know, a, a scheming uh, archeologist. I don't know. And Oh boy, I'm really drawing a blank. I know it's not pulpy, but, or it's pulpy, but in a different way, the uh, right. Parker series by Dar- Darwin Cook. Oh, okay. I, like every page of that feels like it should be a cover. Right, right. And it, it's all set in the in the world so well. I can't imagine how much research he had to do. I mean, you can't go wrong with Darwin Cook. I mean, everything the guy puts out is not everything, but most things he put out was amazing. Oh, absolutely. I, I still can't get over New Frontier. It's just like the perfect book. It's New Frontier to me. I'm a big Superman fan. I always have been. I, I love Justice League. But New Frontier to me is is one of the best standalone stories out there that I've ever been told. And it's just, even the cartoon they made of it, which while they made changes, it was still good. But the, the original book is so fantastic. Oh, yeah. just And it's just one dude and his vision. Like, yeah. It's, I'm, oh, it's something to dream for. Right. Well, what, what sort of? What are your favorite Superman books? My favorite Superman book. So I'm. I, I grew up in the '90s, right? I was born in '82, so I grew up in like the '80s, '90s time frame. So I mean, I was a big, a big lover of the whole Death of Superman series, right? I, I love. Mm-hmm. I was, I was entranced into the whole following along and, and seeing Doomsday kill him, and then the funeral, and then the, the reign of the Superman. Like that was like my time of like learning comic books, right, right, right in there. And uh, so I'm a big fan of that whole from like from the death to the return of Superman, the whole, all the three, the three giant story arc. It's like, it's, it's like, it's over a thousand pages of comics, but I like, obviously I like um, all-star Superman, which I think is a really well done story. I love Superman for tomorrow. Mm. I think that's a great story. Earth one Superman's pretty good. I like a lot of the older, I, I really do like a lot of the silver age Superman stories, even though they're kind of silly, but it's funny because I don't actually like the ones that are in Superman. I like the stories that were told in Jimmy Olsen. Cause I think those are fun. Oh yeah. And I like the ones in so some of the ones in Lois Lane because it's, it's Superman becomes the, like the background character, but it's still like, he's still involved in the stories. Those are a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Alan Moore's Superman stuff that he did in the eighties. You know, only a couple issues, but those are really good. Like what, what do you get for the man tomorrow is a really fun story. Um, oh, classic. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that I like. Did I mean, you I check out 
Did you check out Matt Fraction's Jimmy Olsen? I did, and I thought it was fantastic because Matt Fraction does great stuff. Yeah, as soon as you said like Superman as a background character, yeah. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to love that. Yeah, yeah, that, I thought that was a really a really fun take on one on Jimmy Olsen and everything else in the Superman mythos. And I've always liked Jimmy Olsen. I've always thought he was a cool character in general, just because he's like basically this guy that is Superman's best friend. And if you read the old comic books, all this crazy shit happens to him. Like just, <laughs> I mean, he becomes elastic lad. He becomes a, a Superman. I mean, all it comes a, a villain, a bad guy, all these crazy, even a monkey in one of the, a gorilla in one of the, one of the uh, issues. So it's like just a normal guy, but all this nonsense happens to him because he happens to be Superman's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe people haven't played with it more. Like re- yeah. really all I could think of is Jack Kirby. And then, yep a couple years and Matt fraction. Yeah. And then that's why when I watched the, not to dive too much into like Zack Snyder stuff, but like when I watched BVS and they instantly killed Jimmy Olsen, I was like this, I was instantly oh, upset. God. I was like, no, I don't get me started. <laughs> I could debate on that movie all day long. Cause like, I don't like it, <laughs> but we have other people on the show or host of the show. Like Kenrick likes it. And like other people on the, on our podcast network, like we have Robert over from Britain, the geekdoms, who's a huge Snyder fan. Like he's a big pusher of the Snyder cut when it was, when they're pushing for that, uh, he still posts about the Snyder cut. He's, he's a lover of Zack Snyder and all of his vision. I just, I disagree with him a lot of things like that. And for me, one of the biggest things of the miss of Superman is them killing Jimmy Olsen without having any interaction or any, any reason for it. I I 100% agree. And I was going to like say a lot meaner things, but I remembered <laughs> what we said earlier about letting people enjoy things. Right. So, right. you know, I'll let it slide. I, uh, what would Superman do? Right. Right. I, I do. T- well, apparently according to Zack Snyder, Superman would absolutely take somebody's truck and put it in a telephone pole, which I don't understand. <laughs> uh, or Superman would actually, he would actually let his dad die in a tornado when he could absolutely save him for any, and that without anybody seeing. Like that's something or Superman snap would do. Zod's neck. Or snap Zod's or neck, just right? Be very sad, right? Like I get the I get the reasoning that they did the, the snapping of the Zod's neck. You know, and I, I there's actually a podcast out there over on the Dynamic Duel podcast from years ago that I was on where I'm actually defending that movie. I'm on, I'm on the side of defending oh. Man of Steel as being a good movie, and but you know I'm I'm playing I, I'm I'm I like to debate things and I can debate things on either side. You know I can I can see both sides for the most part. So I debate the reason okay. why he's because. Superman sees that his only his only option to stop Zod from killing is to break his neck, but it also goes against Superman's "I don't want to kill the mantra," you know. And mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, yeah, there's so I many can things. I kind of get it. Like if if you're trying to do like the early Superman and he learns, like I I, I don't know if you've seen Arrow, I have, but yeah. in the first yeah first season he murders everyone, and yep. turns out that was they did that on purpose just so he had room to grow. Right. However, it's it's harder with a movie and a franchise that seems less than planned that because you might not get to see him grow. Right. And it's harder with a character like Superman, too, because Superman's not necessarily ultra moralistic, but he's he, people always call him like the big blue Boy Scout and say, I can't relate to him because he's just a Boy Scout. But the whole point of Superman as a character is that he is an alien trying to fit in his best with the human world. And he's trying to embody the best things he sees in humanity. He is learning from humanity to see what is the best parts of humanity. He's trying to embody that out outwards to help, you know, make humanity better. So what makes Superman Superman is him trying to push these great things about he sees in humanity, you know, you know, save lives and don't kill people and always fight for the, you know, fight for the right thing. And he's trying his best to push those out. Cause he's not human. You know, he's an alien. Ultimately that was raised by two super moralistic people, you know, Jonathan and Martha, and you know it's when you try and you multi- say that name right oh that was the dumbest thing ever oh my god 
I laughed. <laughs> I laughed out loud in the theater, right? And they said that that happened. I was like, what? You got to be shitting me. What the hell? No, no. <laughs> but uh, so I could, I actually have a, so future talk for the podcast. I actually have an episode planned with Robert from Bridges of Game Time, who is a huge fan of them to debate these movies with him on the good points and the bad points. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Oh, awesome. You sound very well prepared. My God. Oh, we've him and I've been debating about this in chat for the last year and a half. (laughs) And sometimes I'll, (laughs) I I know I always say, let people love what they want to love. But when it comes to a friend, I'm going to tease them about it. (laughs) Oh yeah. That makes sense. I I get that. (laughs) Yeah. But back to, back to your comic, Rex Radley. So what all do you have planned? Do you have, do you have more issues planned for this or is this just a you have a one and two is there a short storyline like is it like a four issue mini series you're just going to keep going as long as people support it i have i have more ideas the, the genre of just adventure and pulpy excitement lends so much like lends just offers so much inspiration rather so I just have ideas for years. And if you read these two issues, there is, though it's an anthology, there is a through storyline just kind of hinted at. And I'm absolutely going to be continuing that through the anthology. So nice. it, it's like a, it's like a little cliffhanger to leave them coming back for more. Nice. Nice. Now I'm assuming your ultimate goal is, make, is to have a cartoon made. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first person to ask that they said would you would you ever want merchandise or a cartoon i just go oh yeah i'd sell out in a second yeah i mean why not sell out and make some money off of it right absolutely that's it's the only way to get to the top like right. the ninja turtles guys I, I, I don't think they've drawn in years right but well oh, actually kevin uh, kevin eastman's actually drawing new stuff right now he's working uh, actually a friend of mine ben bishop's working with him on uh new stories which is kind of cool oh pardon me yeah not to talk bad talk kevin eastman yeah, not even a bad talk. I'm just, I mean, if you don't know, you don't know, right? I don't know what Peter Lord is doing. I think he's just sitting at home having fun because he's need to work. <laughs> yeah, that that's the secret of my life is to draw enough that I never have to draw again. Man, if I could get there on any of my endeavors that I do, podcasting, art, comics, writing, whatever, I'd be so happy to be able to sit <laughs> and not have to do anything and just do things because I want to do them. <laughs> yeah, I might still work just at a much slower pace. Right. I'll, 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 I can't, I'll never stop making stuff, but I won't have to grind so hard because I don't need to, you know, <laughs> my bills yeah, are paid. I'm absolutely. Good. But I, I mentioned that I mentioned the cartoon series, uh, not, not because I want you to sell out, although I do, cause I want you to make money off of this, but just cause I can, I, you know, <laughs> I read the first issue and you sent me the second one, which I'm, I didn't have a chance to read cause you just sent it right before our conversation. I'm going to read it tonight, but I remember reading the first one and it just lends itself so well to a, an animated world, you know? Oh, Thank you for saying that. I definitely took a lot of inspiration from the the cartoons I watched as a kid, like the Mighty Ducks animated series. Oh, so good. Duck Ducktales. Oh boy. Ducktales oh, is legit the best. Force, that's for, absolutely. The you reboot want, is just it's good. so good. You want to hear a funny story about Power Rangers? You know I do. So when Power Rangers came out, I was in like fifth, sixth grade, something like that. So I actually have two funny stories I'll tell you. I don't think I've told them on the show before, so this is kind of cool. When I was like fifth or sixth grade, right? And when it came out, one, nobody in my class liked it. Everybody would just dog on Power Rangers all day long. If you watched it, you were a baby. You know, nobody only only the only the third graders watched Power Rangers. However, every week we'd have a discussion about what happened on the episode because everybody still watched it. <laughs> so nobody would admit they watched it or liked it, but everybody watched it. And we always talked about it. And then after we talked about the episode, it was back to only third graders or fourth graders watch this stupid show. 
And it was the craziest <laughs> thing. And it was like the first time I was ever involved in like this whole mass hysteria of like, you know, no, we don't watch it, but secretly we all do. <laughs> and then <laughs> that just lends more credence to this whole, do what you enjoy. Right. Because well, everybody was afraid to get it. made fun of, but everyone would talk about it secretly together. And then, you know, and then keep go back to make fun of people who watch it. It was so funny. Cause I, I, I remember I had to hide, I had, I had a couple of the toys. I had like the, I had like the black ranger and the blue ranger and stuff. And I had to like hide in my friend's room because I wanted to see that I had parent toys. <laughs> <laughs> and then my second funny story is I remember I, when it came out, I remember as a kid watching a show with a group of kids who had a giant robot that came robots that would form together, but it was a cartoon. And I was like, man, Power Rangers is such a ripoff of this cartoon or there already was a cartoon. It's this old. This is old. Turns out that it was, you know, Voltron that I was thinking of. I didn't realize it until I didn't realize it was Voltron. I was thinking of as a kid until like high school. And I was like, wait, that was Voltron, not Power Rangers. <laughs> because <laughs> i had i had a little i had a a little green voltron toy that looked it looked a lot like you know billy from power rangers and i just i like it's the same character but no it was totally voltron <laughs> yeah pr- pretty similar i'm sure parents across the country have gotten that confused and called it power rangers for years oh i'm sure i'm sure although the new voltron cartoon is pretty cool oh i haven't caught it yet i've just been watching ducktales on repeat <laughs> I mean, you, you, there's there's worse things you can watch on repeat than Ducktales. That's for sure. Did you see? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, uh, most. Did you see on YouTube the guy who made the the, the Gizmo Duck costume? <laughs> I, I've seen that going viral. My <laughs> God, that he likes to live dangerously. In, yeah. in the news, th- have you heard about the dude with the jetpack? No. Like planes have been reporting in L.A. that a man with a jetpack is flying at their level, and no one knows who it is. It could Holy be shit. an alien. It could be an invasion. It might be that Gizmo Duck guy. It's probably Gizmo Duck. I mean, he's still learning. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't invade airspace. Right. It's a good way to go to prison forever. I mean, you know, if if it's an alien invasion, that's an odd way to come at us with jetpacks. <laughs> yeah. If if it is an invasion, it's a very bad one because right. it's just been one guy and he disappears after the planes call him in. Maybe he he's just the, he's just a scout, you know, and he's going to come back and, and with his full army of jetpack dudes, and they're all going to going to fall in the water because they see that as the, the big land mass, and they mistake it for the land, go in the water and die. Yeah, for, on their planet, it's blue land, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we beat them. It's just like signs, right? There's a story here. <laughs> you can make it. You You're can, a writer, right? Yeah, yeah, we could do this. Yeah. I'm an artist. You can make we can we can make a next a, a new Rex Rally tale about alien invasions and, and jetpacks. <laughs> oh man that'd be hilarious and bad all at the same time <laughs> so in this anthology story you have here you've got a couple people working with you right yeah who's all working on this book with you okay let me pull up their names so i don't mispronounce them <laughs> first off is me winston gambro okay now i've pulled up the rest of them <laughs> nico gamboa drew an awesome story about that takes place in a space station featuring a genius orangutan. Sebastian nice. Sala drew a story in the Florida Everglades about the skunk ape. And Rachel Distler, who goes by Red Tie Bear, wrote a Scooby-Doo-inspired story about a haunted amusement park. Or, sorry, she drew it. Nice. And then I wrote it all and colored it. That's awesome. It's 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 a lot of fun to work with people and have, like, I, lo- I love to collaborate personally. I say. We talked about last time. I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of. I mean, I can do it all myself. I write, I draw, I color, I letter, I do all of it. But I have more fun when I'm collaborating with somebody and can like 
like if I'm writing something, I can like take my vision and put it on paper and then have somebody else make that, that vision visual. And then, cause I've also, I've often found that no matter how I write things, the artist always comes up with some other way of seeing it. And it's always cooler to see it through their eyes. And I was like, man, if I was to draw this, I would have drawn this totally differently, but yet I love this so much because it's, it's interpreting the words in a way that I didn't think about. Yes, absolutely. It, it's just such a f- amazing experience to, to see what they add to the piece. Like I, I draw my own stuff and it never quite matches what's in my head, but then other artists just exceed it and add their own flair, adding things I would have never thought of. Mm-hmm. It's such a fun process. Like I, I can't encourage it enough to collaborate with people. Yeah. And, and, and secretly it takes some of the work off of you too, right? <laughs> wow. We, we don't need to spread that. But <laughs> no, it's, it's all, it's all for the fun of it. It's all for the fun. No, it, I mean, really it is. I, I've, I've been doing comics off and on web comics and print comics since 2003. And I've always loved the parts where I get to collab with people and work on like ideas, with people and, and write stuff and have people draw it. I'm not too big of a fan of drawing what other people write. I mean, I do it mm-hmm. and I've done it, but I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of doing that because I feel like I, for some reason, when I do it myself, when I draw somebody else's script, I feel like I'm being constrained into a box and it just, it just doesn't feel right. Sometimes if it's the right script, it's fine. But sometimes some of the scripts that I've done, I'm like, man, I, I, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this. <laughs> so are you not into like the hyper detailed Alan Moore style scripts? I, I actually, I, 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 that's kind of how I write sometimes. And I don't mind those. Oh, you know, I, if I write, if I'm writing a script for myself, it, it's going to be super detailed. Like if I have, I, I have a, an artist that I work with. I've worked with him for like 15 years, Rick Bugby. And when I write for him, I write for him like I write for myself, which which, which is where I basically detail everything as if I was going to draw it. Right. I basically my script is my plotting, right? And it has like you know, mm-hmm. in in this this panel shaped this way on this portion of the page. This is what's happening. There's just you know all the back. I, I detail out everything that I can, and even when I do that for him, he still he still he still somehow adds more to it, which I'm impressed with. But and I've gotten scripts that way and it's fine. I, I don't, I, I don't really care how a script comes to me to draw, whether it's, whether it's, you know, a detailed script like that, or whether it's just like quick layouts or quick, you know, in this panel, this is happening have fun with it. Right. That's, that's fine too. It just, sometimes I feel like if I'm not a part of the writing process myself, is this for me personally, if I'm not a part of the writing process, as like the idea of it and stuff like that. I feel like I'm not fully invested into it because I had no, my only, my only part of creating this thing is just drawing the pictures, not the actual storytelling part. So I feel like I, I feel kind of disconnected from it a little bit, but if I'm a part of the writing process or part of the creation process, like, you know, helping part of the process of jamming out the story of like, what's going to happen, then it's different because then, then my brain's fully into it as far as like, I'm creating a thing, not just drawing a thing, which is a I, weird, a weird I process, but absolutely know where you're coming from. Right. Like, I've, I've had some projects where it feels very much just like I'm working a job rather than I'm creating right. an art piece or telling a story. Right. And it's when I'm working at jobs when it's not fun. It's when I'm creating an art piece. That's when it's fun. I know if you want to make it, if you want to make a living doing this, it's got to be a job. But for me, it's a hobby on the side and I'd love to do it full time. But I mean, I've got five kids. I have, I have to have a day job that's reliable, you know, <laughs> reliable income. Yes. Oh boy. Five kids. Yeah. It's sorry. I, I just have trouble feeding my cat with comic <laughs> money. I can't imagine a whole family. Well, luckily I have a look at my wife and I both have really good day jobs. So it's where we have enough day job money to pay for the kids and the dogs and everything. So we're good there. But I, I mean, if I could pay for, if I could support my five kids on a comic book income, I would, if I was good enough for that, I would absolutely do that instead. But I, I know 
for a fact that I, if I told my wife, hey, babe, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go make comics for a living, she would go, you're crazy and we're divorced. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe someday <laughs> post lottery win. Right. Post lottery win. Or, or if I, you know, somehow I'd get a decent retirement and retire early and I can go, all right, now I'm going to go make comics full time, you know? <laughs> Cause that's the dream. I mean, making, making something right. I'm, I feel like you're like me, right? A creative mind. You, just, you have this drive to create things, right? You want to create comics, stories. You want to tell stories. That's why for me, that's what podcasting is too, right? Cause I'm creating something. I'm creating an interview. I'm creating a story. I'm creating a, a debate. Something is a creation behind. There's a creativity, a thought process making this thing. Whereas, you know, in a day job, like my job, I'm, I work with software. It's a lot of just like monotony of doing these things to make things get done. So that's just like mind numbing. Whereas I feel like I will always be doing something to create because even no matter what type I've ever had, I'm always making web comics, making comics, writing, doing podcasting, making videos, drawing or painting with my kids, make, making something outside and working in the garage to make like some build something. You know, I feel like I, if I'm not creating something, then I'm just wasting my time. I, yes, we are absolutely in the same boat. <laughs> like even even if I had infinite wealth, I would definitely be creating something. There's just that drive to put something out in the world to leave it after I leave the earth. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah, I want, I want, I don't want people to talk about me. I want people to talk about the things I made, right? I want like, after I'm gone, I'm like, man, that story that John wrote was so cool. That drew this art he did was so amazing. Or this thing he, this podcast was very, very well done. I don't, I don't really care about the memory and who I am, but like my creations and stuff like that. I want those to live on. If at least not in like the public eye, at least in like, you know, my family's eye, my kids. eye, yeah, your grandfather used to draw these comics. You know, so I don't know if I've always had this weird mentality of, I want to leave something for my kids to be proud of, you know, and my grandkids, mm-hmm. which is why I, when I used to do music, I used to play in bands. I would keep copies of everything, every recording I ever did. I would even know how crappy it was. I would keep it because my dad also did music back in the sixties, but there was no records of it. There was only thing I had was stories and like whatever songs he could remember how to play, you know, 20, 25 years later. So I've kept, I've kept from the time I was like 14, literally every drawing I've done, every story I've written, every song I've recorded, everything is all I've, I've archived it all because I'm like, man, and all, all my podcasts are archived for the kids. So somebody I'm like, man, if the kids ever want to, mm-hmm. they have all this stuff. They can go see all this stupid shit. Their dad did when he was younger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely get that. My, my grandpa passed bef- long before I was born and I guess he was a really good artist. I have like two of his drawings framed on my wall. Nice. And I think that's the only art he has. It's like professional quality better than I've done, but he worked at IBM and apparently just was a really good artist and didn't bother to save it. Ah, and now you're like, man, I wish I had more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, cause yeah, I wish I had, I wish I had record my, of my dad's music because I always heard these stories from him and from his friends about him playing in bands and writing these songs. And they played, you know, they opened for Paul Revere and the Raiders in the sixties. You know, they're, they're doing all this stuff, you know, playing Ville, Colorado for a weekend. He was making more money playing in a band than his stepdad was working at a full-time job. You know, he made a thousand dollars in a week one time playing his band in the sixties, which is insane. Holy cow. Yeah. And he's ended up, you know, he saved up like over a summertime. I think he saved up like six or seven grand and bought a motorcycle, a guitar and an amp. And the guitar he bought was $2,000 and the amp he bought was a thousand dollars. And this is 1967 money, you know? And Holy cow. Yeah. And, and, but, but I have no, only thing I know of it is like what I've been told and the stuff he could remember before he passed, right? He made dad passed away about eight years ago. And from like my childhood, he would play us songs and play songs he used to play, but always just, it was just him and an acoustic guitar 
Whereas I know he had a, he had a full band and they had a lot of fun, but they just never, they never they never recorded anything. They just played shows, and I was like, man. <laughs> That's why I said when I joined bands, I was like, no, I'm recording everything. I'm I'm just keeping everything for whatever reason. My kids want to see it; they can. Yeah, and thank God we have the internet preserving yep. every every tweet and embarrassing <laughs> mistake we've ever made. Well, some of my tweets I don't want to say. You know, some stuff is like no, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they, like if they ever found my old live journal, I'd be kind of sad. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, I think I purged my like middle school deviant art recently. Oh man, my deviant! I keep forgetting about deviant art. Then every now and then I get an email on my birthday saying "Happy birthday from deviant art." I'm like, oh, I still have that. <laughs> <laughs> then I go look for a second. Like, oh, I may, maybe I'll use this again to promote artwork, and then I never do. <laughs> yeah, it 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 might be a cool community. I just feel like it's always kind of lumped in with like the stereotype of w- the weird fan art. I right. have no idea if that's true. And if there's any deviant artists listening, please, please correct me. And then back <laughs> Rex Ridley on Kickstarter. Yes. Do, do it in reverse. Back it first and then forgive you. Do the, do the <laughs> yes. important part first, back first. And then, or if you need to hate back something, go ahead and hate back it and then just pay for it and then do whatever you want with it. You know, like, oh, this guy messed up. <laughs> I'm going to burn his book. Do that. But also buy the book too. Right. Yeah, I'm not on. I'm not on social media, so the only way to reach me <laughs> is through messaging me on Kickstarter by being a backer. There you go. So what you got to do if you want to hate back it. This is the perfect <laughs> book to hate back because it's still real money. Or I don't. Know. <laughs> oh man, that's it's not hilarious. a perfect system. You know, that's a you know side tangent here, which I, I I do that all the time. But as you've probably noticed, the whole like when people get mad at something, and they like they start burning all their copies or go out and buying CDs and burning them. It's like you're still paying for them. You're not really doing anything to hurt the person who made it. You're just burning your own money. What are you doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Please don't actually like, especially buying things just to burn them. <laughs> right. <laughs> One, it's wasteful. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's probably some, some value in the, in the stuff just cause the creator is bad. But I mean, that's a whole nother conversation separating the, creator and creation i have a hard, I, I have a hard time sometimes yeah after i mean the comic industry just i guess the beginning of the year ish was yeah. hit by a bunch of those and i some of my books are shoved in a closet now yeah. still figuring out what to do with them not burning them but right. figuring it out well so like i'm a big fan of the show smallville so it's my wife like i watch we watch that show a lot and we're rewatching and stuff like that but the character of chloe sullivan is played by Allison Mack, oh. who's currently on trial for sex trafficking and all the crazy shit that she did and and insaneness. And so I watched the show and I still love the show, but every, every time I see her character, I'm like, oh, you're a conniving little bitch. <laughs> and it's like I still like her, I still like the character of Chloe, but I it's hard for me to see past what the actress did, which was so bad. Yeah, it is. Especially hard if they don't. I, I don't know the full details about Nexium, but I like if they don't have any apologies for it. If they right, yeah, don't feel for the victims, don't want to change. That makes it infinitely harder. Yeah, and also with Kristen Kristen Kruk or whatever her name is who played Lana, she was also involved with that. But she quote unquote left before anything got bad. But she was a part of it for like ten years, and she got Allison Mack into it. So it's this whole like Allison Mack is in, you know she's on trial for it. I think she's going to jail for it. Whereas Kristen Crook isn't because she wasn't a part of the later stuff. And there's a bunch of other actors and actresses who were part of this Nexium crap. And it's like, it's hard to see past that on that level. <laughs> and it's even some of the, and some of the stuff on the comics gate, not comics gate, comics gate's a whole different time, but the comics people that came out 
and or you found out stuff about them. It's it's like it's hard to it's hard to separate that from 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 the right. I think I think our society now is so much more in tune with not just the creative process or the creation the creation, but the creators themselves. Because anymore to sell things, you you yourself have to be kind of a product for what you're, for what you're making. Because people want to know what you're making and who's making it, because that makes them want to make, want it more. Because there's such a plethora of stuff out there. Because the things like Kickstarter, access to customers and access for people to make their thing is a lot easier than it ever was before. So not only is your book a commodity of trying to sell, you got you got to kind of sell yourself sometimes too. So when people sell themselves and they find out, oh, this person's a total liar, or this they do all these bad things, it kind of tarnishes what they've made. Yeah, that's a really good point. It just because you so much of it now is just getting to know the creators. Like the big best part of Comic-Con for me is getting to talk to people whose work I love. Yeah. And it, I, it's like a personal attack. Like I won't name the person, but I had a great interaction with one of them. And mm-hmm. then it turns out they're kind of a sleaze and I'm like, yeah. wow, that really, really sucks. Yeah. He, he was so nice to me, but apparently he wasn't nice to everyone. Yeah, I've had this. I've I have a very similar story with some people that I've met because I've met a lot of people over the years doing the podcast and doing doing comic cons, and I've talked to a lot of people. And some people, it's funny because I have I have that same exact story, but I also have the reverse story where I had a bad interaction with someone that I thought they were a total asshole, and then I talked to them years later. And I'm like, no, they just had a bad day. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'll point out, and I'll, I'll name that person. It was Greg Rucka. I met Greg Rucka in Portland back in 2004, oh. and he was a jerk to me. At least in my I interpret as being a jerk, but then I talked to him. You know, a couple years later, a couple years, a couple years ago, here on the podcast and chat with him at cons, and he's a super nice guy. He's a really cool, a really cool person. But at the time, for like ten years, from oh two to oh four, whatever it was, until like twenty seventeen, when I talked to him, so I had fifteen years. I was like, nah, Greg is a jerk. I'm not reading his books. I miss out. I miss out on a lot of really cool stories that I've now read. So that was on me. I'm glad that you're able to accept that change. Yeah, yeah, you got. No one, no one's going to be a nice person three, 365 days a year. Right. Right. It, it, it's, yeah, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. But at least we should be a nice person sometimes. If, if you, if you, if you cross that 50% mark, I think that's what we should shoot for. It's a low bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you have, you have 12 days left as of recording this, probably like 11 or 10 when I get this out, it'd be the next couple of days. Is there anything out there that people are backing it should know about this about this book or about what the campaign or anything that they should know? Well, I just, as of today, I'm adding some stretch goals. So if we reach, if another hundred dollars, everyone will be getting a free mini print by this really amazing Italian artist named Nefasto Spaziani. Nice. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And then another hundred dollars, everyone will be getting a motivational sticker. It's a, everyone seems in this, Everyone who reads the comic seems to really respond to this cavewoman bodyguard character. So it's a <laughs> sticker of her flexing with a blank motive with a blank speech bubble. So you can write in whatever you want in it, That's whatever cool. you need to hear to get you out of bed, to brush your teeth, to study for that test. You can write it in yourself. Nice. And then the last stretch goal, everyone will be getting a little pin. I know pins are a hot commodity right now. They are. I'm a graphic designer at my day job. So this one is uh, kind of a vintage Boy Scout looking one that says Red Radley Adventure Society. Oh, so that's everyone cool. will think you're part of a Boy Scout group or a biker gang. Or both. Or both. <laughs> a Boy Scout biker gang. Why not? 
<laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they wear hang- neckerchiefs and leather jackets. Right. It's it's the best of both worlds, all right? <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So you're already funded, which is amazing, uh, which means the book's going to come out, which is cool. Do you have a time frame on the next book you're going to work on, or is it just whenever uh, you have time, or when is there, is there a schedule plan for that? Boy, well, I'm always working on something. I'm launching a webtoon hopefully next month. It's like 50 pages already finished, so everything should be good good to go. And as for Rex Radley, I'm hoping like roughly once a year. Yeah, nice. so sometime late late 2021, hopefully I can get three on Kickstarter. Nice. That'd be awesome. Well, when you do, come back on and we'll chat again. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. Thank you, Winston. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate that. Thank you. Bye. All right. And before you log off, do you mind doing a bumper for the show? Just saying you're Winston Gambro, creator of Rex Rally and listening to Swell Country? Yeah, sure thing. Let me just write it down. It helps. That helps me. Yeah, yeah. How do you spell Winston Gambro again? Uh, I, I don't know. I just sounded <laughs> out. What? W? All right. So you laugh at that. Gambro. My last name is Horsley, but I constantly type my, my last name wrong because my fingers were transposed to S and the L all the time. And I'm like, damn, I spelled, I spelled my own name <laughs> wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> I I once played a full Pokemon game in like second grade be, with my name misspelled because <laughs> I typed win, I think Winton and didn't didn't notice till too late. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Should I just drop yeah, it here? Whenever we go. This is Winston. This is Winston Gambro, creator of Rex Radley, Boy Adventure, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. Perfect. Awesome. I'll, I'll get this edited out. And actually, I'll probably throw it up tomorrow because we have, we actually, the episode we're going to drop tomorrow, we end up, end up getting dropped to move later. So I'll probably just drop this tomorrow morning. All right. Thank you so much again. This really helped me out. Yeah, no problem. And hopefully uh, people listen and go back to go back up for you. Yeah. I, here's open. I guess have a great day. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good one. Well, go back, guys. What'd you think? You should go back. To, did you go back, Rex Radley? Because because you should. You really should. You should go back, Rex Radley. It's, links are in the show notes below, or you can find it on Twitter, or you can go to Kickstarter.com and just search for Rex Radley, and it'll come up. And you should go back it because it looks it's really awesome. I've read the first issue and I've read the second issue now, and it's uh, it's definitely worth your time and your money. So definitely do that. And you know, if you like that, if you liked what we do here, you should go to Spoilerverse.com and check out all our back issues, all of them. Just download them all. Go to, go to your podcatcher and download all of our episodes. We are hitting episode 500 on Monday, which is insane. 500 episodes since July of 2017. That is nuts. But, ah, uh, just crazy. But also, go to the website, look at all of our reviews and previews and articles, all that fun stuff. Go to the store, buy a shirt, buy a hoodie, help support the site, help support all of us here. Go to scpod.us slash discord, join our public discord. We're going to be doing some giveaways soon, so definitely go check that out and join. You'll love it. And last but not least, in Ocean's a podcast, we are Cthulhu, and that's Cthulhu. What you to do? Oh, my.